0: We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape please, Holly.
1: Awoga, this is a dwarf cast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast Commentary for Series 11, Episode 4, Officer Rimmer. Yes, uh, we have returned to talk you through yet another episode of the Dave Era as we go through chronologically. And uh, joining me, as always, is Jonathan Caps. Hi. And Danny Stevenson. <laughs> Hello. And I am Ian Symes. Uh, Later on in the show, we'll be unleashing some more waffle upon your astonished faces in our regular (laughs) section, Waffle Men, in which we uh, tackle topics suggested by our readers and listeners. But first, it's time for the episode commentary. So if you would like to play along with us, uh, you can press play on your copy of the episode after these beeps. Pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace.
1: www.ganymede.tv
0: Here it is. So, yes, Officer Rimmer, uh, one of the better episodes of the series, according to the Pearl Poll. It finished at number 44 overall, which isn't a bad placing for a new episode. Yeah, sorry. Uh, And it was the second highest in Series 11. Uh, It was just beaten by. uh, What was it? Give and Take. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, so better than Crisis, then?
0: According to the Pearl
1: Poll, yes. Yeah, what the fuck do they know, though?
2: I mean <laughs> I, I I did watch this pre I did watch this in prep for this uh for this dwarf cast and I I do agree that it is better than I remember it being. Much better than I remember it being. Nice. Um,
1: that was a really shot. lovely model shot. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Classic series six sort of feeling. Yeah. yeah.
2: That one. There's some nice model it's shots just... in this in general, to be fair.
0: They're not always like they're no longer good model shots by default in the day era. Yeah. Whereas for series one to six, it, it's you know, it's it's more impossible when there's one that's not absolutely perfect, but mm. here it's worth commenting when there's a really good one. I saw this episode recorded. Oh yeah. Um, I've only just remembered that I have. Uh I don't think I've got anything useful or interesting to say as a result of that. I think it's all like most of what happened on the night happened uh, ended up in the episode. So it wasn't so, it wasn't a weird
1: recording, then was there not issues say around the ending not being there, or
0: is it all by design? Yeah. Well, I assumed when we went to see it recorded that there'd there was like an effect shot or something missing from the end, or that they'd fill the ending in later on. So yeah, I thought at the time that it was a weird record with the ending missing, uh-huh. but now it turns out. <laughs> but we'll come to that. I'm yeah, oh, well. sure. Not that that one fault overshadows the rest of the episode or anything. That we're already talking about the <laughs> ending. It's all Less I think two about. It's in.
1: It's all I can think about, which is um, frustrating because this, I would say that this is, first half's great. Yeah. So
2: much good stuff in this episode. It feels like such a longer episode than half an hour. Does this episode? There's so much stuff happens in it. Yeah, so many little, little bits in it, but it does feel like a really lengthy episode. It puts in mind more like Justice, like, yeah, Justice feels like a longer episode than it is. Yeah, it feels, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't end yet, mm-hmm. it hasn't ended yet, and it just has more to, to give you. It does feel like cause it's, it's only 25 minutes long, but it seems like a lot longer than that. It's very well paced, mm. I think, apart from the end. <clears laughs> this is a this, good uh... this is a... go on. Well,
1: it's a good example of like so. If usually with Red Dwarf, if it's like it's taken something from the zeitgeist, let's say, and made a joke about it, you'd kind of groan a bit. But um,
0: the 3D printing stuff in this episode is really good. Just pop stuff. That's exactly what I was going to say. That normally (laughs) when Doug tackles like call centres, for example, you're like, "Oh, okay." Old man yells at Cloud, (laughs) but (laughs) he got some good because it's not really about 3D printing. No it's like maybe that was the inspiration yeah. in fact because like 3d mm-hmm. printing became a thing uh around the time he was writing um 11 and 12. uh but it's it's jokes about like now obsolete types of printer pretty much yeah like old inkjet <laughs> printers i mean
2: they're talking but what's funny about it is the fact it looks like an inkjet printer it sounds like a dot matrix printer, but it's <laughs> yeah. actually a bioprinter. It's like it's whole three technologies mashed into
0: one. Well, that's a very Red Dwarf thing to do, isn't it? Like yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And especially Mash the up. fact that, yeah, like old. And again, it's like there's it, that weird thing with Red Dwarf that it started in the 80s. And so obviously there's a lot of 80s type technology at the start, but there continues to be. It's like they haven't really broken free. It's an of that. And so you've got. Yeah the floppy disc joke in series in The Promised Land. But (laughs) this Yeah, but this.
2: Visual effect (laughs) is absolutely fantastic. I mean the eighties
0: tech me very much of um, The tiger in the meaning of life (laughs) 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 there's a shot of Eric Idle in a tiger costume where he's got his head bowed down but he moves it from side to side and it looks like an actual tiger
2: really impressive I I, I felt like I had that same vibe with uh, when Mr Rat was on there as well
1: (laughs) yeah, looking back (laughs) and forth yeah yeah.
2: oh, it's so good
1: oh, Mr Flibble in the movie yeah no, yeah no, um Making eye contact with whoever's talking
0: <laughs>
1: literally the it's best a, thing i've ever done
2: it's it's, it's the little to little things isn't it
1: it's good uh good performance as well actually oh, it's one. Man. Absolutely. definitely Absolutely. up
0: there
2: what a lovely lovely man yeah
0: Stephen Critchler has got a really good comedy face. And that still somehow comes across, despite the fact that like eighty percent of that is prosthetics. <clears throat> yes, and but
2: it's all in the kind of the vocal. It's all done in the kind of mannerisms and the, and the way they use yeah. the fact that he's got the, his face on top of his head. But it's um, yeah, it's very good. <laughs>
0: that was one of my favorite bits of his. He says, "Obviously, it's difficult for me to see." <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a lot to be said for for actors that can just do a really good plummy, or officious British officer type. Like it's, mm. it's a it's a it's a very it's a very good kind of British comedy staple. I I always enjoy. To then yeah combine that with something silly yeah and play it deadpan. They thought, well yeah it's it's the it's the thing like I've been yep. obsessed with that kind of character <laughs> since you know watching Blackadder as a kid basically. I love the moustache. He's got a moustache that ends up going halfway <laughs> up his face. Really good de- yeah. Good detail. Good attention to detail. they have
2: really it's... thought about how the logic of it would work as well. Like if the printers jammed, it would slightly shift on, on a certain axis. It wouldn't print right and then yeah, back again. Like, it's not symmetrical. It's yeah. very good.
0: It's Millennium Effects, isn't it, that we've got to give credit for? I for think the so. Prosthetics. Yeah. Because uh, they're the people that... The course, industry so. leaders, really, in prosthetics... Uh, at the moment, they then, do all the, they also all the did physical the, effects for Doctor Who.
2: Rimmer monster at the end, isn't there? Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, R- Rimmer did something horrendous Yeah,
0: <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Yeah, he tried to kill. He just tried to kill. Tried to kill. <laughs> Even though he would
2: have died anyway, because it's not actually a real. Like, that's the thing, is as well. That's not actually a real person, according to this system.
0: I yeah, think and they are careful to have Crichton explain all that. Yeah. That it's, you know, they're not. They as soon as his mission write, is gone, they, it's they're like, going to so, die anyway. Yeah.
2: This is a good. I,
1: I... At this point, I think I think Vimmer has tried to kill people so often <laughs> that it it might not be a, 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 an aberration.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, was one of my least favorite things about Back to Earth was the way that he dealt with Katerina, who was fictional and a hologram anyway. But yeah, since yeah. then it has become seems to become more common. It's it's just an easy
1: like. Arsehole thing to do is I can give him the destructive, like, not very nice decision that needs that is needed to push the plot along. I guess
0: yeah. it's kind of weird because then, on the other hand, it is kind of morally ambiguous, it's kind of the trolley cart problem, which mm. we all know because we watched The Good Place. Uh, of like, if he doesn't do if he doesn't take out Herring, then he could kill the entire crew, and so he's uh, he's Ending one life in order to save four others, potentially, including his own. So right. it is. It falls upon yeah, including his own, but still, yeah. But yeah, it falls upon Rimmer to make that decision, and he arguably is the one with the balls to make it. And an then he accidentally movie. does think something better. Yeah,
2: very odd model shot. <laughs> it was
1: a bit. I, I like that. I like like doing like some weird manoeuvres with Starbucks. I'm all for that. Mm. um because it's sometimes it's treated a bit like too much like a lumbering thing maybe for something that's supposed to be in space. So it kind mm. of it's
0: kind of cool if it's a bit nimble every now and then. Yeah, especially now that they're back on red dwarf and only using Starbug when they need to be nipping about. Yeah, for its actual purpose. Yeah. Starbucks role in the series has changed so much over <laughs> like obvious it's an obvious thing to say in terms of series six and seven, but even in series three to five really it wasn't that major a thing. It yeah. was very rare that they, they had it was any means to spend a time it? step on Starbuck. yeah. It was just yeah, literally a plot device a lot of the time.
1: Here's a thought. Are Rimmer and Crichton science room scenes the new bunker room scenes?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of them, and they also tend to be where some of the best kind of character comedy laughs come from. Like it seems to be where mm. Rimmer and Crichton are at their best, anyway, especially in uh, Promised Land. But I didn't realize it was they were quite so st- constant throughout
0: Eleven as well. Interesting. Yeah, question of, of the dynamic really, because it used to be Rimmer and Lister was your mm. ultimate comedy pairing, but maybe. <clears throat> Rimmer and Crichton's relationship uh, well it's Rimmer the power struggle out, isn't it yeah Rimmer outranks Crichton but Crichton is clearly better than him in every single way yeah. <laughs> more competent, more intelligent uh, more emotionally savvy as well and the resentment that comes from that yeah and Rimmer and Lister realise they're so they're different, uh, they're like maybe
1: two celestial bodies that are quite opposite in, in many ways, <laughs> uh, I can't quite think of them an example, but um, they've just realised to let each other get on with it, but Rimmer and
0: Crichton clash because they're operating in the same space. Yeah, There's the gosh lady, <laughs> one of the greatest credits of all time on Red Dwarf. <laughs> now it
2: says on the credits that that's Daniel Barker doing the commentary, but wasn't Robert Welling doing that? Oh no, he didn't know, he did the, he did the greyhound race he did the Trojan, the, the didn't he? The pig he? racing in Trojan. Pig racing, <laughs> thank you, yeah. yeah. I forgot.
0: Yeah, it's Daniel Barker's third consecutive appearance in a voiceover. Yeah, what a run! Can you imagine currently
1: wearing a, a human brooch, a brooch that is literally just a man on your on your chest? Because that is the equivalent of what a Cat is wearing
0: on his jacket. I, I, the equivalent would be a, a primate of some kind for us. Okay, well, even so, like a monkey brooch then. Yes. <laughs> I would like a monkey brooch.
2: Okay. Good band name. <laughs> well, you
0: have, Don't to bro- you have to broach be the subject your monkey before monkey brooch. <laughs> Rimmer's got a weird thing with lifts. <laughs> I like how how extra shit they make the other lift. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> it's like he did that on purpose. Like Rimmer's intentionally made that lift shitter. Made the other yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, people—people in privilege—wouldn't deliberately make other areas shitter just to just to improve their lot. That wouldn't happen.
0: (laughs) Rim is a Tory. He's such a Tory.
1: That is a rude joke, Doug Naylor. (laughs) Go to your room. It's like Billy Connolly. That's all sexy's talking about. <laughs> that was not a Scottish accent, but you get the idea. <laughs> Billy O'Connolly. <or> <laughs> Billy O'Connolly. To be sure.
0: <laughs> but, but yeah, I get what you mean, Danny, about the justice type feel of this being lots of different sections. I guess. Yeah. Because the Captain Herring Captain Herring's been and gone <laughs> yeah. He literally disintegrated after about 8 minutes <laughs> It left quite a mark On the, like <laughs> one of the most memorable things
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, check. Now we have
0: The section that's about Rimmer lording it up And using his newfound power To make the rest of the crew's lives A misery yeah. And we haven't yet got to the bit where Oh no, Captain Herring hasn't been and gone Spoilers. Spiders. Now he's about to come and go. <laughs> That's just works
2: stunning. <laughs> that is, that is, it's one of those really silly lines that Red Dwarf's really good at. Is <laughs> those really odd observations or something coming from a secondary character that it's usually just, it lands so well. There's a horrendous noise going on in the background of this scene. And it's it's. I I thought my printer was malfunctioning. Ironically, I thought my three (laughs) D printer was malfunctioning (laughs) because I heard the noise of this thing and I thought it was like a service gear or something. It was like just not working, and I I realized it was just it's just this bloody thing. It's just ambient ambient
1: red dwarf noise.
0: (laughs) Another highlight of Captain Herring is I've got my eye on you, Lister, and he lowers (laughs) his entire head.
2: I never realised it faded as well, like when it dropped to the floor.
0: Yeah, it turns into paper.
2: Yeah, it turns back into the thing you put in the it's back. Old, it's all it's made visible. of paper.
1: <laughs> Good. Like, bring, bring that uniform back. It's nice.
0: Yeah. Or a close approximation, I guess. Yeah, and it's appeared a couple of times since hasn't it if I remember, Skipper oh uh, yeah he's uh, it, do you know what
1: it might actually, li- no it won't be they'd have to have brought it out quite a bit but um, because <laughs> yeah. Howard Goodall does have I mean he seems to personally have all of the old costumes or a lot of them um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's still hanging around
2: somewhere see there is actually a set plan well not a set plan got an actual plan behind him that's a real actual thing. It his Arnold J. Rimmer Officers Club. And I was like, that's, that'd make a great poster.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the graphic design details on Red Dwarf and especially this era oh, is yeah. these,
2: stunning. These two series in general. yeah. But am
0: I right in thinking that um, Matt Clark only came on board for 12? Yes, I think so. So this is not Matt Clark?
2: No. The GMC logo at the back, that's mean. That's yeah. really interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's interesting that Matt Clark was brought on for twelve or not. 11. Is that a conscious decision to give a distinctive twist to twelve? That's very I Love. think
2: it was, oh, was Julian was it Julian Fullerlove who was the first Fuller Love. Yeah, he was on series eleven. Um
0: Maybe it was availability because like they were back to back but they were distinct.
2: I think so. I think just Matt was brought on because Julian wasn't available, maybe. Because,
0: yeah, one of them, Series 11 wrapped up at the end of 2015 and uh, 12 was shot at the beginning of 2016. That's right, because it was
2: Christmas break, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. Maybe the other guy had work lined up for the new year.
1: Very awesome. uh, Series 10 had a good a good line in in like background details and stuff like that, and i am actually sorry because I've forgotten her name, but she, um, uh, Mickey Ralph, Michaela Ralph, Mickey Ralph, yeah. Um, <clears throat> like the 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 plan from um, the beginning Battle stuff like plan. that. that yeah. there's, there's always been there's there's always a, an army of people somewhere that are just putting these little details in it just What's makes it? it all feel like Red Dwarf really
2: well it just it just says a lot more about like the love of the show when you have mm. the people putting in those little de- like unnecessarily details that you'd never see but they put them in just because they want to and you know it's like they yeah. obviously there's, a, there's an element of no one's going to notice therefore I can do this but there's also a thing of I kind of want to do something fun for you know for the sake of the job but yeah
1: well you get oh, you get yeah. the impression that obviously you know a, jo- a job's a job but there's certain things that you're working on that you would take extra pride in like yes. that's the same with anyone and you can um, very much imagine that Red Dwarf is one of those shows where absolutely it, it would inspire people to just take that extra bit of pride maybe in what they're doing mm. probably because it's so interesting all the different things that you could possibly do with it
2: <laughs> again <laughs> angry man yeah
0: <laughs> This bit, there was... Oh, I've just remembered something interesting. There was um, a bit deleted from this because they're talking about how Lister sold his DNA and it was used to bioprint lots of different uh, like menial jobs. Uh, one of them in the recording was Dirty Dave. There was a series of Dirty Daves who were basically gigolos, <laughs> uh like hired sex aides that you could buy. And that was deleted from the episode, and it doesn't appear in the deleted scenes on the DVD.
2: Oh. Dirty Dave was Dirty Dave the um, the, the special word that we gave as a non-spoiler for the episode.
0: It was that, yeah. It was the tiny teaser. It tiny teaser <laughs> we ended yeah. up teasing something that <laughs> was removed.
2: I do love that. How
1: what an interesting decision, people. if that was indeed a deliberate decision. Oh look, it's the M car ship. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> it's white corridor 159 <laughs> but give it look i mean
1: it actually might not yeah it might be very different on Car. i can't actually remember it but is it with um... this,
2: this was borrowed from another tv show oh really
1: yeah
0: which what was the it other looks tv show like a mid 90s rap video <laughs> And yeah, so this is now the next section of the episode where it's about Rimmer cloning himself. Exactly. A lot. So there's, there's yeah. so yeah.
2: much. That's what I mean. There's like, the, and we haven't even, you know, we're only twenty minutes in, and yet there's like lots of other little stages of things have happened. <laughs> I will mention because we, we have gone past it. But where the where the creator is telling Lister not to delete that thing by not splitting <laughs> all those things and not pressing that button is an excellent yeah, yeah. is an excellent Robert moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And he says you've got another thing coming, as opposed to you've got another think coming, which therefore makes that correct.
2: Interestingly <laughs> enough, it's sometimes of think. So obviously they've
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I won't get into that argument. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure think... one of the rumors literally flip like disappears on frame there. Like there's a, there's a, an effect where they've just removed him from frame the second he's. About
0: uh, to... I mean, it's a it's quite impressive, this. This is on a hell of a level, shot. This oh, is The sheer number of Rimmer's like Ed By. If you showed this to Ed By in the 80s, he would shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, you didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. You can say a lot about You can say what you like about Rimmer and his failures as a human being, but he's learned how to get on with himself in the last 30 years.
0: <laughs> I like, That is referenced in the... Uh, in the in Crichton says about you you and you doesn't have the greatest history yeah. or something <laughs> like that. they do hang a yeah. I on it. Well, what strikes me as odd about this scene is that he's got all these printed clones that are enjoying the officers' club, and he's made himself the doorman. Like he's the he's the superior officer here, and his original Rimmer he shouldn't be having to do this Maybe, job. Yeah. Maybe he had to do that in order to get.
1: Um, some of the other rimmers to agree to do service jobs as well because you had a board waiter rimmer as well, and he wouldn't he wouldn't yeah. have done that if the main rimmer wasn't you know also pitching in. That's
2: true. Yeah. It's interesting because <laughs> he says the clone the other rimmers but then make them officers so they're still below me. It's like, well, you don't have to do that in order to make them below you. They're already second technicians. Why do you need to upgrade <laughs> them to officers to make? them? Oh, to but they still uh, need he, to be he officers.
0: Wants, he wants all of them to be above list. Oh and god, there's an Quayton. officers' club. Of course, there's an officer yeah. club.
2: Yeah, it's all right. Stop, Google. stop, this, <laughs>
0: this is uh weird, but I like it. Right, <laughs> the barbershop quarter, yeah. Four good old, Howard Goodalls, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also really like the multiple Rimmers just casually strolling in and like giving a, a pat, like a nod to the doorman yeah. Rimmer. Yeah. We're good, <laughs> We're <laughs> good yeah. Yeah. We're just good. like, yeah, 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 <laughs> pointing at his face this as guy. he walks in. <laughs> <laughs> And now we're starting the monster bit. The <laughs> monster bit, yeah. Is it? See, amazing. I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking there's six minutes left in this episode when they introduce the monster. It didn't have to be quite so rushed no, <laughs> at the end, it really No, really no,
2: didn't. I think it, it didn't. didn't. And it's it's not about the rushed ending. It's the dialogue leading up to that rushed ending that just seems so like it was like one take and never done anything like they never mm. did any other takes other than that one. It just seems so odd.
1: Well, there's another episode of Red Dwarf that has a rushed monster appearing within the last minutes of the episode, and actually, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is a bad example because D- people have there are detractors of DNA that say that it's got a yeah. stupid ending. But it didn't necessarily feel rushed. It feels like it has a, a comedic payoff and also no, a, a special effects payoff. Yeah. Um, yes. Whereas this just doesn't really have it, and it's not—it's not a time thing. It's not a time pressure, like you say. Six minutes is more than enough to make this.
0: It's a, yeah. It's a, It's probably a little bit more screen time than the Mutton Vindaloo Beast had. If anything, <laughs> it's I a mean, good. It visual. Funny. I, I this like it. Yeah,
2: Justice does actually have a quite a weird ending. For an episode that, that falling they, down the when shaft. he falls down the shaft and then they, they drop the thing on with the red red light thing like that's meant to have some significance but it just doesn't um hmm. yeah that always felt like as if should we read something into that like it was meant to like was it meant to mean more than that or but well, this is good the, the uh <laughs> it's very got a very thing uh vibe about it sort of uh sort of assimilating and just collecting... Oh! The Thing. The Thing. The Thing. <laughs> I thought you would say that, that because
0: you couldn't remember the name of something. I, was like, I don't know whether That's to agree with that with or, the, or the, not.
2: That's the problem with a show which is nondescript <laughs> as The Thing.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what should we call it? Let's call it The Thing. Really? We, yeah.
0: <laughs> List, <laughs> River could easily have saved that clone then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he but, chose to kill that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny though. Say another really um, weird weird joke this <laughs> <laughs> <Pac-Man>. <laughs> Why why did Crichton make that? <laughs> why did Crichton have the sound effects? <laughs> He's eccentric. But uh it, it lended itself very well to being converted into Red Dwarf the game. <laughs> that was quite an obvious one. We like we were expecting there to be a Pac-Man level we probably weren't expecting Office of rumor to be the last uh, no. update of that game but never mind uh, link in the show notes to uh, caps's let's play where he's optimistically talking about future episodes <laughs> of it and how much fun it's going to be playing crisis and kind of worms and
1: what was it about 6 months after the episode that um that came out yeah, it should have been yeah. obvious yeah and 4
0: months since the previous update i don't
1: know oh, i i really want i want to hear the story behind all of that, <laughs> yeah. but they did series twelve in a more sensible, what realistic way, and it was yeah. good. <laughs> so you know,
2: so it basically did a legion.
0: Yeah. Including that, yeah, because Legion had that line about all oh, your anger and everything yeah. multipl- multiplied exponentially. Yeah. So all the negative points of them. Okay, two minutes left for the denouement. <laughs> oh well, there's a minute of credit, so it's a minute left essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. But the I like all the is no all stuff about. Having a pen, the tension is great. That to be fair. Oh, yeah, great. it is, but it has to like the,
2: the payoff isn't
1: there. Has to be a payoff, yeah. Yeah, you can't just have resolution, it's defeated. You have to be, and here's a joke that's been set up, and there's no the lesson. The episode, learned
2: there's another scene missing out of this episode where like Rimmer learns a lesson or something. It's yeah. like there's no yeah. denouement of it afterwards. Yeah, or or deliberately doesn't learn learn his lesson. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's no there's no
0: yeah. What a weird coincidence. (laughs) Uh quickly, one of the contorted rimmer faces, the one that's just above the real Chris Barry, looks like uh, the YouTuber Tom Scott.
1: (laughs) 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 The one who's writing now. Um, Tom Scott when he's in a when he's in a um a zero um zero gravity
0: um yeah. See we don't even it cuts before the bazooka fire even gets to the monster. So it's, it's a like deliberate the very crash earliest uh, I don't know what it's hard to it's hard to put in words how it doesn't work, but it just doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like There's no breath, it's like if I if the theme tune was like harder, like a harder cut, if it didn't have an intro and it just went straight into something, but it just it goes from tension, 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 action, and then quite slow theme tune plodding along.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and the payoff is they okay we've had we've had the joke, but we had the joke like you know, when it was, I've always got a pen, like, and... And then the payoff is, oh, and and we're just about to kill it, so it's fine. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. There's, there's, it's it's just... It's it's difficult to exactly explain why it's bad.
2: Considering how much Ish. other stuff has been, like, extra in the episode, and, like, how... Like, there, there's so much more space for what should have been the end of the scene. Like, the... <laughs> Yeah it's, de- it's it's not just, a
1: time thing. It looks deliberate. Really it looks like a deliberate
0: decision.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: Which at least give it some credit for that, but but it's just a bizarre decision in mm. that case because like I don't know, maybe it's a budgetary thing that they couldn't afford to or didn't have time to do a big shot of the monster dying of the mm. like the explosion the resultant explosion. Like, you'd get at the end of Polymorph or I mean, whatever. it would have been paper. Yeah, that's true. I
2: don't think that would have been difficult to do. <laughs> just, like, yeah, shredded that's paper. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? How... It's just weird. But, but, yeah,
0: it feels like it needs that shot of them firing, then a, uh, a big effect shot of it happening and the monster dying, and then, like, breathe, gag, credits. Yeah. Is what you'd have ideally. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be much. Like, we're not after a it doesn't necessarily have to be a whole new scene, but no. just some just line thing else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And there was the time for,
0: yeah. It's like we, we talked about it in the previous episode, that give and take seems to have a slightly abrupt ending, but that's purely on a technical level. Like everything is wrapped up in give and take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause we, I kind of, we clarified this in the comments um, on the article or the, on the, when the, that podcast was released. Um, yeah, everything wrapped up and it made thematic sense. It made comedic sense. Everything that happened was, was fine. It was just on a technical level, it seemed a bit abrupt. And But this one, it's a serious problem. It definitely feels like there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And Samsara had that thing as well. It's, it's three episodes in a row where we're talking about something's not quite right with the ending. In Samsara's case, it was that they'd set up this potential comedic scenario of them having to escape back onto Starbug or back onto Red Dwarf. But they just didn't. Uh, so Officer Rimmer combines those two problems by having it feel like there's a scene or two missing and having a bad, technically abrupt ending in one glorious hole. And yet this next episode, without spoiling anything,
1: as if anyone hasn't seen it anyway, has a really good line at the end of it. And I actually, you don't yeah. really get um, this problem again. I mean, you have the problem of an entire episode being a giant pile of dog plops, but um, that's that's a separate <laughs> separate thing dog entirely. Um, but like the the
0: abrupt <laughs> the, the abrupt problem does go away, interestingly yeah. enough. Um, well, the the problem of the abrupt endings ended quite abruptly. <laughs>
2: it didn't continue with on. this
0: episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like we moaned a bit through that, but it is. We because we were talking over all the good stuff, basically, yeah, which good is stuff all the stuff with Captain Herring is brilliant mm-hmm. um the I love the officers' club stuff and all those extra rumors and just like one of the show's greatest assets remains and has always been Chris Barry's face, yeah, yeah, and so uh previously, there's been upwards of two or three of Chris Barry's face on screen at any time. But now with the with the technology that we dozens. have these days, there's thousands of Chris Barry's faces. Yeah, it's one of Chris's best best performances.
1: Like he, when he when he gets given an episode, he doesn't waste it ever. Mm. Um, and you know it was true here as well. And like when Chris Barry's on form, then you have a very good episode of Red Dwarf at the very least. So, and that's what yeah. this is uh, definitely. Well, of course we're always gonna complain in commentaries because that is probably the most interesting things that you can say. Well
2: <laughs> it does but like I said, it's a it's a very it does feel like an incredibly just almost feature length, which is quite a strange mm. thing. For five minutes as well, so it's even, you know. Um even shorter than most of the other episodes, like twenty five, twenty six, thirty. It's like they're just they are it's it there's a lot in there. I think it's it's and it's got a nice premise as well, and it's like it's used to its. I don't think they could do anything else with that really, like they kind of, you know, used every part of the cow, so to speak. Mm, um, yeah. With the printer, but yeah, it's it's good premise. I thought it was a it's good enough episode. Like good enough guest stars and stuff. It's good. I liked it a lot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I liked it. It
1: uh, when you when you take eleven and twelve <clears throat> as like a whole. As it as it probably should be,
2: yeah.
1: um, you can see you can see it's kind of mid level position basically. It settles nicely, mm. kind of I don't know second a second tier episode basically. You know when you take the 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 really good ones, give and take, M Core Crisis, I would say even, um, are kind of up there, <clears throat> and this just is down there with you know Macocracy.
0: I'd say um, Officer Rimmer is, 20, is perhaps the top of the mid tier. Okay. It's it's uh it's Wolves in the previous um, That's Premier a bit League harsh. season. <laughs> it's not Champions League, but it's the best of the rest <laughs> for one season only. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, I, I agree with that the <laughs> analogy that I don't understand.
0: <laughs>
1: Midlands club that isn't Villa equals bad only rule you need <laughs>
0: <laughs> right <laughs> right but no yeah you're right i think it's one of the better episodes of series 11 yeah. um yeah. but mid table in dave era terms yeah yes. or even in in the block the block that is in 11 that and
2: block 12 terms, yeah no score draw yeah no score draw <laughs>
0: The referee blew the whistle before the allotted amount of <laughs> additional time. <laughs> just as a just as a shot leaves the striker's boot, bound for the net, the referee's whistle goes, <laughs> An and advert. it's all over. <laughs> that, of course, wouldn't be a problem if it was basketball,
1: as anyone who played NBA Jam will know, because literally every single game ends like that. <laughs> I think I think they they designed it so every like. The, the the ending whistle happens when a shot is is being made, Mid, so there's uh, a tense ending.
2: Speaking of jam, we should have some waffles with that jam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose it is time for uh, the section uh, where we hand over control to you, the audience, as to what topics we discuss, uh, which we like to call ah, so the you're your a waffle, waffle jam. Man. So. Let's start off with Milo Scat, uh, one of our regular waffle contributors How about a description of the Children in Need special, particularly how it fits in the timeline since it seems to be set post-Series 8 but with hologram rimmer. Also, is it funny? Uh, mm. It's moderately funny It's, uh, it's good my... for,
1: for um, Children in Need I think it's a very serviceable yeah. Children in Need sketch because they're never any good
2: I think you're going to have to, for the viewers at home or the listeners at home, and me, you're going to have to explain to me what the Children Need special actually is. Oh, oh. right.
0: <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a. It's a special, right? Yeah. For the children. <laughs> it <is. laughs> no, it was ninety-eight. Was it nineteen ninety? Yeah, nineteen ninety-eight. So it's uh, between series seven and eight in terms of uh, broadcast, but it's, uh, it's shot concurrently with series eight.
2: Is this the one that's shot on Blue Midget?
0: Yeah. Yeah. New okay. blue so it's it's on board Blue Midget. Um it has Kachansky and Rimmer, uh as well as obviously Capcriton and Lister and a couple of scutters, I think, as well. Okay. Um But yeah, because of the curiosity of it being shot alongside Series eight, but shown way before Series Eight, like a good few months before, and they've got Rimmer in his blue hologram costume, uh, which he never wears yeah. in that series. Um, and Kachansky is in her red series 7 costume as opposed to a series 8 sort of combat look bizarro world (laughs) there is also, presumably shot at the same time um, a famous, like one of the main publicity stills from that series has them in that configuration of of clothing and that was used for pre, like early pre-publicity before they were ready to give away all the various changes that were made uh for series eight such as the rumour not being a hologram and them all being in prison and it being shit. Impressive effort, right, really. I think they also shot all the PBS idents at the same time. They did. Yes,
2: that's what that that's the thing I'm thinking of when I thought of the children in special my brain went to the PBS specials, that's what I'm yeah. thinking of and we had no idea that PBS idents added...
1: existed until the DVDs. Uh, I think that was a reveal yeah. that Ellard gave us and that
0: was like that was crazy when that <laughs> when we first saw them. But, <laughs> all this extra footage, yeah. yeah. So man, they must have had a, a day, basically, set aside to do extra bits and bobs. How high was Red Dwarf's stock at the time? Like, it was at its peak, right? I mean... It was, yeah, in terms of viewing figures, yeah. it it, um, it was by far the biggest comedy on BBC Two, biggest programme on BBC Two, full stop. Um, yeah. Series 7 and the start of Series 8. Um, series 7 was when it hit 8. Over eight million viewers for the first foot. I think the peak was eight point four or something like that. Yeah, which today, by the way, is completely and utterly unheard of. But the uh, the TV environment has changed in those twenty odd years, yeah. uh, with multi channel being more of a thing and streaming and on demand services etc being options. But yeah, Red Dwarf was big because like Children in Need as well, not comic relief because comic relief has all sorts of things like it's a surprise yeah. that over the years Red Dwarf hasn't done more for comic relief uh, because that will offer, like each edition of comic relief will have 10 20 contributions from sort of current comedians/comedy shows but for it to be on children in need is a bit more of a big deal because it's only the biggest most mainstream stuff and it's more it's far less niche children in need yeah. and it's not about comedy obviously so it has to be a big show it shares it with um, other things, yeah. It's got to it's got a fight for time with EastEnders, <laughs> yeah. and It's always EastEnders doing a singing episode and Casualty doing a dance is what Children in Need always fucking is, yeah. Uh, Children in Need bollocks. So yeah, by the standards of Children in Need, it's actually a good sketch. <laughs> <laughs> well, was was Children in Need bollocks in 1998? Um, probably I believe it was, because so. Comic Relief was already bollocks by then as well, wasn't it? Comic Relief is is. is Scourged the shores of bollocks on many, <laughs> many <laughs> <Me>. occasions. he has <laughs> been on the bollock roller coaster, and has and has had ups and downs over the years. Uh, children in need has never been that entertaining, really, um, but you know, it's not. It's just does the job to Light entertainment for pensioners, basically, is children in need, whereas comic relief at various stages has been quite edgy and quite playful. Uh, um, having yeah. said all that about Red Dwarf being at its biggest and competing with all these other shows I do recall that it was this sketch premiered at like quarter past midnight or something like that because mm-hmm. uh, I remember knowing that it was coming up and sitting with a VHS in like hovering <laughs> hovering to record it from 7pm when the show started and still being there after midnight waiting for it to start what a waste of a Friday night <laughs> yeah it was on the end of my series seven uh, tape, I do believe. Uh, but you had to, you had to
1: put the other half of it at the start of the series eight tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was funny you mentioned comic, comic relief because I remember. God, what year was the comic relief bow wrap thing? It was like ninety three, three, and I do remember. Um, trying to keep an eye out for that, or I remember being surprised by it, I can't remember which one it was, I think my, I might have been surprised <laughs> by the fact that like, they were doing Bohemian Rhapsody and I, there were lots of clips and I almost thought oh, I wonder if Red Dwarf's one of these, and then suddenly
0: there they were during the um, yeah. guitar bit Well yeah that's a, that's a follow up bit of Milo's question, he asks, um discussion of other charity specials such as that time Craig pulled Crichton's nose off before that to sing Bohemian Rhapsody and are there any others bohemian rhapsody yeah that's the one that i remember It's like that's a big comic relief moment and it's great to look back on as well like i assume it's on youtube um
2: it's a uh, proper time capsule it's yeah
0: real time capsule is it must be 30 40 odd um shows that contribute and not just comedy shows as well yeah um so that many shows,
1: you, that many shows, you're going to get whatever was hot in '93, and it might not necessarily have been hot by you know '94 even, <laughs> yeah. let alone
0: 2020. <laughs> so yeah, I, but bit.
2: Was it like was the British Empire in that as well? Was that is that that era?
0: I have in front of me a list and no.
2: Okay, it just seems like it would be. It like in my head, that's the kind of show that would have
0: been. It's involved. definitely yeah, mm. British Empire was well underway by then. But again, that was a funny one um, in 93 at the timing of this one uh, because it was Series 6 era, so Series 6 costumes, Series 6 sets. Yes. So the first time anyone would have seen star- that version of Starbuck uh, and Rimmer in his red puffer puffer jacket <laughs> uh, would have been this tiny glimpse during Bohemian Rhapsody. God. And <clears throat> the Red Dwarf contribution... It, with, they're hardly in it most of the other shows have like a line or two of the song to themselves uh, before it cuts on to the next one um but crucially everyone else is singing along um one of the probably the best bit comedically is from Jeeves and Worcester um so you got Mm. Fry and Laurie uh, Laurie at the piano go mama just killed a chap <laughs> Put a gun against his head, and Fry go, Now you've got to throw it all away. <laughs> uh, so it's it's funny because everyone's singing along, but the Red Dwarf crew are only miming along. Yeah, and as such, they're only really used in a montagey bit towards the end during the solo. But there is a funny bit where um, Craig is cl- like cuddling his guitar and doing a sad face during the very end of the song. <laughs>
2: It it just sort of suits Red Dwarf, that bit, though. Like, if you're going to put a Red Dwarf bit anywhere, that would be where you'd put it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: And so the story about um, Crichton's nose, presumably that comes from Man in the Rubber Mask. I can't actually remember where that comes from.
2: I think it does. I think because it was a sort of... Because it was always a a post-recording thing that Craig would do by default. Because it was the first bit that would... It was the first bit of Crichton's head that would kind of... Like the glue would come off first, so he would always get, and then and then they realised they didn't realise they had to shoot more shit. So, yeah, they did it at the end yeah. of
1: five, and and that was when Robert burst into tears because he had the
0: secret of Red Dwarf USA in, in his head. Yes, yeah. 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 p- potted history. Of, yeah, it was Man in the Rubber Mask where we first heard about the practice of ripping off Crichton's nose, the tradition thereof. Um, and yeah, like you say, they were definitely doing it by series five. But in the in *Man in the Rubber Mask*, Robert describes it as like the thing that they'd always done, or oh, uh, you right know, so. had done at least throughout that series and possibly the previous ones. Hmm. We finally got to see the tradition happening on one of the I can't remember which documentary it was, either the series eleven or the series twelve documentary. Uh, Nathan managed to capture it happening, and so we have it on video evidence now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on this occasion. Um, I think it was Sirens. Um, you'd probably be able to tell by comparing cats costumes because it's always the cat. Um, <laughs> the, the cat's oh, costume is a yeah. giveaway to when anything extra was filmed. But I think it was the end of Sirens uh, where they shot this Bohemian Rhapsody bit. Um, and Craig had already done the ceremonial pulling off of Crichton's nose, uh, before realizing, oh shit, we've still got to do this comic relief thing. Um, so they went and tried to find a, a comic relief red nose to put on him, uh, but they weren't yet available because they were shooting this well in advance of the actual telephone, <laughs> and so they just um, painted Crichton's nose red with makeup over Robert's actual nose,
2: <laughs> which is kind of genius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's rough, that you you, know. you
0: don't really see it properly in the no. thing.
2: It's a bit of a Mandela effect thing because I always remember it being our red nose. Well, well,
0: two years. Previously, uh, Red Nose Day, nineteen ninety-one, they did a little very short um, contribution on the set of DNA, um, which is there as an Easter egg on the series four DVD of them just doing a straight piece to camera saying, "Give us your smegging money, your smegging smegheads." Uh, oh
2: right, yes, that's that's probably what I've done it. I've probably <coughs> mixed those two things. Again. And on
0: th- yeah, and on that one they're wearing proper red noses just to complete the set. I mean, there may be more that I'm not aware of, um, but um, in terms of other telethon charity appeals that Red Dwarfs appeared on, Amnesty International's Big 30, uh, which was also in 1991, um, had them, and this was on the set of Series 5. Uh, so they'd done they've done something for three consecutive years at that point. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was a telethon in, in honour of Amnesty International's 30th birthday, and it has uh, the crew wishing... Uh, Amnesty, a happy 3 million and 30th birthday.
2: It's interesting because that's usually um Robin Doug's chosen charity for things, is Amnesty. It still is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, frankly, oh, yeah, no surprise that P-P-P. they're involved.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, as to where the Children in Need sketch fits within Canon, it doesn't, unfortunately. <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> Unless, you know, some. Maybe it's a, another AR scenario that we uh, <laughs> that we didn't get to see in back in the red <laughs> that's the I only got, place it would yeah. fit really
1: i like it i or like, it, it, could like be, a, it could be. it
0: could be post it could be between series 8 and back to earth there you go that's where it fits in so at <laughs> some point at some point uh post only the good rimmer uh dies gets brought back as a hologram but still in his previous hologram clothes rather than his back to earth hologram clothes. Uh, Kachansky goes and digs out her old outfit from storage <laughs> and they go ahead and have a little flight in blue midget, uh, come across an old broadcast of Terry Wogan, take the piss out of him <laughs> and go about go about their way and then back to earth happens. <laughs> Easy. Put it add it to the Done. pip. <laughs> And if yeah, again, if Red Dwarf was a big Finnish property, <laughs> there would be a thousand audio spin-offs set in that time. <laughs> so next up, Quinn Drummer. There's another let's have another discussion about canon. <laughs> How about discussing whether can't smeg won't smeg is in the canon and have BT on to defend her position on it? Now we're not entirely sure who B T is that he's referring to. It might be uh British Telecom. <laughs> uh, so yeah, therefore British it,
2: Telecom was a sentient woman.
0: Well, it was in the it was uh, it might be Maureen Lipman that is talking about. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in, the, the in the adverts yeah. where she's uh, oh you've got an ology. Yeah. Her character's name was Beatty.
2: Oh, is that true? I never <laughs> yeah. knew that. That's <laughs> yeah. really good. That's Beatty really from, good from the Beatty adverts. Bloody hell!
0: We don't have Maureen Lipman on hand currently, uh, but you could also be talking about a GNT user, presumably Bloodteller. We're not entirely sure, but anyway, can't smoke, won't smug Is it canon? No. <laughs> no.
1: So again, so that's seven. Hologram Rimmer, that could also that could exist in the same in the same pocket after after
0: eight. Potentially, yeah. Now that it's occurred to me that you can have things like just because we saw it before we saw Series Eight, it could be set after Series Eight. Yeah. Non-linear storytelling. Um, yeah, genius. <laughs> However. um, there would have to be a hell of an explanation for Ainsley Harriet suddenly beaming on board. <laughs> and not only that, talking talking to camera uh, about the time he was a gulf. <laughs> That's Great the tricky part to reconcile.
2: Unless, again, it's one of their multi-universe skips where Reddorf is now the TV show, and they're True. in the same universe as Back to Earth, therefore... Mm, that's true what Mm. does
1: canon really mean in a show and we've already discussed this where every series is kind of in its own parallel universe anyway because that everything always contradicts something that's gone before it in in a small way so what is canon really in red dwarf is that 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 happened it's just it was in the timeline where they've discovered their fictional characters but they didn't go back to earth to do so and they just stayed yeah. where they were and they, they have to live with that knowledge and um every now and then the actors that played the various people that they've met in their lives
0: beam on board randomly and just do a little show and then go away. That's that parallel yeah. universe. So yeah, they know they know that they're fictional characters and they to entertain themselves they sometimes put on shows that parody contemporary <laughs> Yeah. other other programs that were on TV at the same time.
1: They're receiving them, it's like Lur from Omicron per CI8, receiving Ali McBeal a thousand years um, after, after it originally went out they're, they're receiving really these the shows and they're like up. oh we should do that, that's a good idea
2: <laughs> with a full audience as well
1: yeah, in Starbuck they found a device that allows them to package up a recording and send it to modern day Earth
0: as a program. Yes, well that's that is that's in multiple things in um red dwarf smegups the televised version of smegups they yes. send it as a ta- in a, in a time capsule time traveling capsule back to earth so it's set in the same universe that
1: all of Crichton's vts are set for all of the smegups oh yeah. a similar one
0: yeah yeah so that's that's Crichton with his take on uh, it'll be all right on the night <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is the red dwarf take on words. they also do university challenge yeah yeah uh, okay, what about the fact that Dwayne Dibley uh, is hiding in you know, a waste disposal unit? Uh, that's just the cat dressing up. He, ju- he just changed um, his clothes. I'm saying
2: that he is uh, the emohawk.
0: He's been there the whole time.
2: Yeah, there was another emo It was the gun, and it was Shit. put in the airlock, and then it just turned into Dwayne Dibley because... just cause. It but it's a friendly emo that and just lives off. There. That's it. That's the reason.
1: I think that's pretty comprehensive. I think we've... Yeah, I think we've nailed that okay. down. Yeah. No,
0: can't Smeg, will not Smeg is definitely canon. I'm yeah. glad we had that conversation. Just depends what canon you're talking about. <laughs> Waste <Always> disposal canon. <laughs> okay. One more waffle cooked up by Ainsley Harriet. uh Oh no, cooked up by Dave who wants to know which is the best and worst of all the Red Dwarf logos. Well the big question mark really is do you prefer Serif or Sans Serif? Mm. which is also a new Noel Edmonds game show. <laughs> I like Omar
2: if, Sarif. Who's yeah, Omar the Sarif.
1: <laughs> so my opinion is that the simpler the logo the better the logo and so sans serif is my particular bag but I, the Serif version in some cases is also very nice. Usually comes with a thinner ellipse as well doesn't it, the, the Serif version. Mm. It's, like, it's almost like a slimmer Lighter weight sort of a logo.
2: I would say that on branding, on merchandise, I would say that the sans-serif logo works better. But on bigger things like posters and videos and things like that, where it needs to be nice and big and bold,
1: mm. the
2: sans-serif works a lot better for me. The serif series seven eight logo is yeah. like looks weird on the videos on the spot. yeah because
1: all the others were the big chunky chunky boys weren't they. And I, I think it's about. I mean, Red Dwarf's been around for over thirty years, and so it's gone through different like design sensibilities and TV and everything. And I feel like at the moment, like the the, the choice to go with the Sansari Flight Series Three, I would I would say kind of style of logo kind of fits with the modern sensibilities of like um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's non skewer morphic, so it's not. You know, if you have a button on an app or something, it doesn't look like a button at the moment. You know, people aren't designing things to look like they are. They're just it's there's there's a flat kind of um, big blocky bold kind of thing in in design for like apps and on TV and like the new newer episodes of Red Dwarf have got the that nice big bold logo and then the episode titles when they come up just huge red letters you know what I mean like no mm. fucking about and I think that that type of logo suits that but then if things are going in a kind of a more like I don't know more understated
0: direction then the, the serif font the serif one fits with that a little bit more. I think you're right that it is it follows fashion in a way because mm. Red Dwarf's now been going for so long that it's it's covered multiple waves and so when that there's serif logo was is serif or serif whatever when the big blocky logo was first used in um, late 80s it was fashionable yeah uh, but even by the time the the other version came along in 92 uh, for series 5 that was a lot more sleek that seemed better at the time that seemed a lot smarter and the way to go and now that is so long ago that we've now that fashion has returned the other way and so it's a really interesting decision i think to bring back the old logo um first series 11 onwards um because yeah even the start of the dave era used you know what had been the current logo for so long mm-hmm. um and then they changed it back and so it's kind of, it's partly a nostalgia thing i think of like this series 11 and 12 were kind of Maybe in the publicity, in the marketing around it, saying, "Look, it's it's classic, proper Red Dwarf," yeah. and so here, do you remember this classic logo? Here you go. In in my brain now, it's like that is now the current logo, and so seeing the Serif logo and anything now looks weird. Like if I see a an article somewhere that uses the Serif logo, uh, uh as like, no, that that's the old logo. Come on, yeah, it just flips around now. so quickly. Yeah. In it my almost brain. looks vertically yeah. stretched to me
1: as well. Sometimes like the ellipse is like. I'm I'm doing mm. I'm doing the motions for the listeners with my hands.
2: Um, do you know what's
1: what? What I've just realised, and what's quite interesting, is that at the exact same time that Red Dwarf was moving from kind of a simple bold sans serif to serif, the BBC was doing the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, because that's when the italic, like my favourite BBC logo, which is like the '90s, '80s, '90s italic. Um, I, I'm i not sure. I don't know if that was Gil Sands as well. It might have still been the same font, but it was a bit more, it was more detailed, it was more fussy, I guess. It had colours and everything. Whereas in '97, they switched to the black and white, like the BBC block slabs, basically. Yeah. yeah, the one that we know, yeah. know and love now. Um, So that's, I, I don't know. That's, I don't have a point around that. It's just.
2: But I will say, in the audience recordings and stuff, I remember going in and seeing the Red Dwarf logo rendered in 3D and spinning, but it was the old school. Sort of series three esque, nice. you know, when we when we first saw that logo, and I was like, because I mean, Red Dwarf didn't really have a logo for the first two series. I mean, yeah. they had the, sh- the thing didn't. on the side of the ship, and there was some attempts to do it on some like pre production stuff on like the you know on the the curry powder tins and the lager and things like that. There was like there were there were attempts to make a different logo that would be used elsewhere. But like when we went into that on its recording for the thing, it just immediately felt very familiar and felt it felt right.
1: What, walking into um, Trojan with all, all the monitors with the Red Dwarf logo and then you catch catch a glimpse of the fucking sex Jesus,
0: that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You raise an interesting point about um, I think the chilli powder in particular. because so There's a lo- there's a logo on the chilli powder that's at the start of Polymorph. It's like the Red Dwarf logo, but it looks a bit off-brand. It's like a squishier text and a, yeah. and a wider...
2: It's using... <laughs> A micro, like a Euro style microgram of font with the yeah. sort of perspective shift on it, and then the logo yep. is kind of like an orbit on like full on, like you know, horizontal basically,
1: yeah, yeah, like a book so that. Element.
2: So, all the elements are there, it's just not quite yeah. done. I think, I think, I don't know whether I'm right in saying this, but I know that the, the Red Dwarf, the San Serif one was done by Andy Spence, I think the Serif one was also Andy Spence as well, mm. but the orbital the elliptical original one that was on the thingy lug. i don't know who did that one
0: well i was i was gonna say that i've always assumed that that's kind of a version of the because they decide they clearly decided at the start of series three to have a logo yes and possibly that's to do with changing the um the title sequence as well to not have the name of the show be there as part of the name of the ship it like you have that snappy title sequence and you need mm. something to end it on that's like bam this is the show yeah. and so they needed a logo and i've always wondered whether that was an early design or one of several options that they were considering and then they decided to go for the final version at some point after they'd shot uh polymorph
1: yeah that's interesting although where uh, we discussed on our maroon commentary recently, uh, Rimmer's basically got yes. the finished version on his tunic. Yeah, it's a bit rough and ready, but it's definitely
2: the finished version.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um,
2: very weird. Yeah, unless it was just a case of it was too late to change anything; they'd already, reco- already Yeah, maybe the they'd, they'd made that prop. Yeah.
1: It's pretty realistic, right? I mean, like let's let's say in universe Red Dwarf has this logo. It's you know, it's a company, it's got its brand and everything, and it logos all yeah. its ships and it brands all of its products. Like sometimes you're just gonna slap it on there in one way or another, or try and get the logo elements on mm-hmm. there and ah that's good enough for ship brand stuff, you know? This kind of feels well, natural. Yeah, maybe
0: in universe the logo has changed over the years, as it has yeah. in real life, and so it's just an old uh box of curry powder. That is yeah, good. yeah. Chili- an
2: old, like an old Tesco logo or something. Yeah. Been like so yeah, if you go 64. if you go
0: into a supermarket not long after a rebrand, you're going to see a mixture of the old and new branding on the shelves. Sure. Danny might remember this. I don't know if Ian will, but when they switched from Ringpulls uh,
1: to the to the new uh, non-literary Ringpull cans, I remember like, like no knowing that, and you'd always try to get one of the new ones, but then eventually, like the old ones would disappear after about a year, I think, after the switchover. It was exciting times.
0: I'm too young to remember. that. <laughs> Maybe when when marathon became Snickers on July 19th. <laughs> See, I think I I didn't notice
1: that, but um, yeah, for some reason it's something that stuck in my head. But because it it was the first time I was kind of aware of something that I just assumed just existed are actively changing for a particular reason and the process of it of old stuff still being there for some reason and of mm. and gradually having to be replaced. It's just for some reason that's stuck in my head. You used to uh, get the ring pulls and you could like treat them like rings and pretend you're wearing a ring you you pulled it off the I think it would fit around a child's finger. <laughs> I am thirty
0: seven years old. <laughs> thirty seven 30, years yeah. age. Logos, though. Thinking of the Serif logo, uh, I think we can all agree that the superior version of that is the one that doesn't have the W and the A with bits cut off for no bloody reason.
2: Oh, it's it's so weird. That they, they, it's <laughs> like... What's strange about whenever they used to use the Serif logo is they never seem to have a sort of uh, a standard for how that was done. It always seems to yeah. have been made from scratch every time they needed it. Maybe and it never have the same look it was never taken from like it was. It seemed to have never come from the same origin, it always seems to be like we need something that looks a bit like that and they'll always get it kind of right but there'll be something off about it it'll be the kerning, or it'll be the fact the D the W's too far apart, the W is too close or the fact the fucking lips doesn't do you know what I mean, there's like 101 things Like every time they do it, it's a different design and they never seem to nail that down but with uh. the, 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 the Serif one, they never seem to get that right ever You've you've triggered that a memory of out. me
1: with a W and A being too close together. The W and A being too close together is a problem with the current Sansarif font. Because I'm looking at the Promised oh, was, Land oh, one yeah. and they're basically touching. So
0: for fuck's sake. I realised that when I just now, when I said Sarif, I meant Sansarif. <laughs> because there's oh, a thing right. with the with the with the current logo, in some places it gets yeah, the current, the Promised Land version, the W and the A look a bit close together, but I will still prefer that. To um, there's a version that's, on the on the on the series one to eight Blu-ray box set. It uses a version where the W and the A are spaced out, but the bottom right hand corner of the W and the top left hand corner of the A are cut off by the. Oh uh, yeah, do you know what? And if that, that really annoys me.
1: They're not actually spaced out. They're really close together. But actually, that if it wasn't for that cutting, that would be the perfect Red Dwarf logo on that Blu-ray set, I would say. Yeah. like, it, it's, it's almost like the, the, the letters up, are like. even chunkier. They almost feel 80s. It feels like... Did anyone see Chernobyl? All of the captions were in like really big, blocky, um, kind of off-white text like this. and um, Yeah, it just
0: makes me think of the 80s, just looking at that logo. That's actually really nice, mm-hmm. apart from the cutting off fucking thing in terms of what danny was talking about the with the serif version um being never quite the same twice to look at all the uh the paperback penguin books uh that were red dwarf related that came out in the mid 90s yeah. yeah. they all have dark a sort of royal blue backgrounds and all have completely different versions of the Red Dwarf logo on them that have been drawn from scratch each time. And yeah. I think it was, yeah, so si Bromley pointed out in the comments um, when this topic first read, it said that the programme guide has one of the worst ones ever where the ellipse is completely and utterly on the wonk. Yeah,
2: yeah they, they, they had like one, there was always one that they, every now and then it would kind of like someone had found it and gone, oh yeah, that's the right one. We'll use that again. And then, but, like there was few and far between like the dvds are the ones that kept
0: consistent i think i was gonna say i think it's about that time like when yeah. ellard was in charge of the official site and the dvds um so it would have started very early noughties that was the point where there was some consistency yeah yeah lock down the because design. you had you had someone who gave a shit <laughs> who about basically the details across every bit yeah. of red dwarf output and yeah from that point on you had a, a consistent version of the logo and yeah, you know, all the better for it. Yeah, it's definitely. worth pointing it's worth talking about the back to earth
1: situation. Because in the lead up to back to earth we got a new logo and I think we mentioned we might have mentioned this on the last dwarf cast, we've got a new logo which was basically it was the Serif font because the fan club used this as the basis of their new logo that was designed by some guy or other, I can't remember, from Leeds. Sounds a bit like me but not me. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's really nice, because it's the phone. Was it
2: actually me, though? Did it... Was it me, who did that?
1: I'm 100% sure it was really, yeah. <laughs> And it was like a wavy... Um... Oh, yes! Uh, yes had, had the, I, remember. Wavy... I
2: remember now!
1: It was new, it was shiny, and it was subtle, and it was great. Really liked it. Um, yeah. And then, the actual... back. And I think I might stand alone on this one, is that this, the actual Back to Earth logo, they just embossed everything. They embossed all the red stuff
2: they did a really weird almost like a photoshop effect yeah. a sort of 3d bevel effect and it had like if i remember right it was really weird i remember being able to find the um the reflection map they used for it and it looked like just like a just somewhere with a gate like that's what they used really as a reflection map for yeah it was really oh weird. the
0: rusty gate <laughs> oh,
2: Danny, I love you. But I forgot that that was never used in official. Like, oh, i tell you what, uh, was it ever used for the Red Dwarf movie stuff? Or was it's, it never used it's for on, it either?
1: What, the, 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 the embossed one is, is on the. Is on there was the a blo- whole. Right, the, the I DVD. remember
2: rightly, there was something that was leaked that was meant to be some sort of like ephemera for. It was like a Red Dwarf booklet that had all the, lo- uh, the logo kind of splayed out in different versions and modes. And I remember that Red Dwarf logo being part of that thing quite prevalently. Mm. I remember that.
0: If we do, you'll find it in the show notes.
2: Or it might... i tell you what, it yeah. might have actually... It might have been, genuinely, it might have been Andy Spence's website and it might have just been, like, a portfolio of his work. Uh, it might yeah. have been part of that. that. I about think that's there. probably what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah, the whole, like, style sheet of all this kind of thing. And it was—it looked
0: great. Speaking of versions of logos uh, differing between publicity and what's on screen, far more recent example, the first three million years uh, of the course, documentary yeah. series. What we assumed was an early version of the logo, that used the Serif version and therefore looked completely wrong, which was then replaced online with a better version. But then by the time the episodes came out, we realised that no, um, they'd used the crap version on the actual episodes. <laughs> they'd used um, the crap version of logo
1: for four years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, the reason that that's weird is because it's the Serif logo and that's the only thing that's come out in the last, well, since series 10 that's used mm. that logo. And again it looks weird. I'm looking at it now and they've they've taken essentially the serif logo and put it in a blue circle like at the start of series 3 and 4 which is where you only really associate that with the uh the sans serif version.
1: Yeah, with specifically that's series 3 isn't it? Very specifically yeah. or at least it was until it became the default look. So Andy Spence looks like he did that that version I was talking about the proto back to earth version which ended up being used for series 10 so that was actually used for series 10 the um the one that's got the wavy um the wavy reflection almost uh, the subtle what? one it was used in publicity for series 10 at least i don't think it was publicity series 10 yeah okay yeah yeah i'm looking at a publicity thing here. but um yeah so basically the red dwarf logo is all over the shop and I'm kind of glad of that because it makes it a really interesting part of the show, and it's something that you can pick apart when something new is about to happen. There's the logo, like what's the logo going to look like, like and that's always been a discussion. And I remember, like the there was a lot of excitement (laughs) that the logo was going back to sans serif for eleven and twelve. Like there was a really strong kind of design decision being made there, and it wasn't just let's put whatever logo we've got at the top of this folder as the main logo, this was what what do we want to how do we want mm. this these series to be identified, you know? There was an actual mm. real decision being made there, um, which I like yeah. said a lot.
2: I have gone into I've had to look at the, the Red Dwarf the ten title sequence just to see what it looks like. It actually is it's it's got gradients on it, but it's not anywhere near what the what the original one with the waves on it. Right. So I yeah. was just checking that I hadn't gone mad and that it hadn't actually been used. That was right, hadn't been <laughs> No, you're right.
1: Um the, yeah, the, the picture I'm looking at on Andy Spencer's website is um it's got series Series X at the bottom and it's it's like it's a promo thing. It's probably the first the first bit of promo that or one of them sure. that we that we saw. He also did the Harry Hill logo. Classic the classic 90s Harry Hill.
0: Yeah, I was just scrolling down his list of credits and he's worked on shows that I've worked on. Um <laughs> but I didn't realise. <laughs> that's a that's different, a really annoying... different departments. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look out for him next to <laughs> I think that draws a veil over this edition of... Ah, so you're off, a- And indeed, this Dwarfcast. Uh, we will return with the next edition of uh, the Dwarfcast Book Club, uh, continuing our look through the Better Than Life novel. And, of course, uh, our next commentary will be in two podcast time, and that will be on Crisis, and there'll be more waffles at the end of that one too. So if you have any more suggestions for Waffle Men... Uh, do send them in via the usual channels. You can leave a comment on this article over at www.ganymede.tv, or find us on social media.
2: Twitter handle is Ganymede Titan, Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working oh, okay. with. Okay.
0: Thanks, as always, uh, for listening to this podcast, assuming that you actually did and haven't just skipped forward to hear this outro, which would be really weird behaviour.
1: What's, what's the point in that? Why did you do that? Or listening Listen to, to it easy. at 1.5 speed. You fucking savages. Oh, I know yeah. you're out you there. Did that, you I
0: know can... you're fucking out there. Either pay attention or piss off. A <laughs> lot of you.
2: We'll start slowing these podcasts down if you find out people are doing it. Yes.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, th- so thanks. Thanks <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> Genuinely, though, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, cheers. Cheers. Join us next time. Stay safe. Take care. And as always... Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye.
2: Thank you for listening to GNT DwarfCast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our DwarfCast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.